Welcome, you lovelies. It's a Friday, and I can't wait to sink my teeth into today's stories. Today I bring you five Let's Not Meet true stories, handpicked just for you. Firstly, this episode is not for little ears, and contains explicit content that is not safe for work either. Today's true stories are covering themes such as sexual abuse, abduction, verbal and physical abuse, assault, homophobia, and more terrifying themes. This is just a warning. Each of these stories bring with it a learning and a warning and insight in how messed up this world can get. A huge thank you to those that have allowed me to narrate their true accounts. And for those that are not remaining anonymous, I'll include your credits in the episode notes. Without giving any more away from today's stories, I must thank the Patreons that support the show, cause they're amazing. My Ode Night Tea Titans, Matthew J. Bauer and Maya. Due to the nature of today's content, I won't create a nickname or story, as I didn't think it would be appropriate to do so. But I still, of course, want to thank you two lovelies. I've been looking at upping my sound effects this week, and with your support, I think I can budget for a whole new range of special effects. Stay tuned, everyone. These changes are made possible by supporters like these two. And my two lovelies that are my white tea warlords. I own Cows and Lee Bauer. Thank you, Iron Cows, for your hilarious comments and Lee Bauer for your kind and useful feedback on these episodes. Both of you are fantastic. And of course, my Ograin forces, Chad Warren, Just Heather, Lorraine Grisanto, Paige Marcini, Peter Raffaelli, Michelangelo Yacone, Robert Fisher, and Tasha Moncrief. Thank you all for putting a smile on my dial. Also, a big thank you to all of you who have reached out to me and checked on me regarding the fires. I'm fine, I'm way, way away from the fires, but I appreciate it nonetheless. Thank you very, very much. Let's hear some true stories that will leave your skin crawling and mind boggling. Flowers and a bag of prawns with a dash of stalking. A few months back, I went on a date with a guy who seemed familiar to me, but I couldn't put my finger on where I've seen him before. I assumed I might have met him on a night out. It was a last minute thing and I told him how I wasn't looking for anything, but it would be nice to hang out. That was a mistake. When I met him, at first he seemed like an alright guy, but things quickly turned when we got to a restaurant. He didn't order, but I did, and he started saying about loving my curves and my body. I laughed it off, but I thought he was being a bit too forward. He could have put it nicely or kept that to himself. While having my food, he began telling me about how I was different from other girls, because they don't give nice guys like him a chance. Red flags immediately going off, so I came up with the story that I could only be out for a little bit because my parents wanted me to dog sit. He bought it, but then proceeded to stare at my breasts and saying how he wished he could see me without clothes on, even saying I should send him a picture. I told him I don't do that, and he was making me uncomfortable. He stopped, but then told me how he bought me a gift. He pulled out of his bag a bouquet of roses, which I did think was sweet, and a bag of Tesco prawns. That confused me, and I burst out laughing. I asked why he got them, and he said he knew I liked tempura and prawns. But the thing is, I never told him I did. So alarm bells were going off again. 
My head told me to run, but I didn't want to be rude, so I stayed until the time I said I had to go. So I had less than an hour left. Okay, I can do that. He kept talking, but started to scare me because he started guessing aspects of my life, the school I went to, what I was like as a kid, what I am currently doing. He got every part right. It scared me because I have not told him any of this and haven't posted anything online about it. So I backed away and asked how he knew all of that information. Turned out his mother was one of my teachers in school. And he asked her everything she knew about me and looked online for anything about me currently. I don't know what he asked her, but at this point, I wanted to get out of there. Thank God for my mum. Not long after, I got a text from my mum asking how things were. He didn't see the text, but saw it was my mum and I just said, Oh God, my mum and dad got the times wrong for the pictures, so I have to go home now for my dog. I'm so sorry. The guy just accepted that and then started to walk me home. I said about only going halfway because I'm not comfortable people knowing where I stay, but he then started insisting. He then dropped the bombshell that he knew I stayed on X Road, but didn't know which house was mine. I told him that that is really weird and that it creeped me out. He knew that. He claimed I told him, but I never tell people that. So I started to walk to the main road for my own safety. But he grabbed my hand and said he knew a shortcut. I told him I wasn't comfortable again, and he told me it was fine and basically dragged me to a quiet road. I was getting really scared when he stopped and shoved his tongue down my throat. I shoved him away and told him to stop it, and he apologized. That's when I noticed a stranger walking their dog coming down the road, so I used that and said I needed to go and went to the main road. I thought I was safe, but no. The guy kept walking with me. I stopped and told him I wanted to part there, and how it was nice to meet him again. He looked confused and said we had never met. I then began saying, Look, I have to go. When he cut me off, grabbed me, and pulled me near some bushes saying, Before you go, there is one more thing. I told him I needed to go and to let go of me, but he ignored me. The guy then pulled me in, hurting my wrists, and kissed me again. He saw the bushes and said about having privacy, and I managed to shove him off and tell him no. He then grabbed me again and tried to take me to the bush, saying, It'll only be for a second. While I resisted, some dog walkers came by and he stopped and pulled me to kiss me again, this time grabbing my breast. I shoved him and screamed, I said no, and just ran. My heart was racing. I was terrified. I thought he might have tried to do something to me. I kept looking back and he was nowhere to be seen. I ended up taking the long way home just in case. When I got in, I started to cry. I thought something bad would have happened to me when I got a message from another account. It was him. He said about how lovely it was meeting me and, and how it was the best date ever how I was the prettiest girl he ever kissed and that he would see me again, adding how he hoped I had a lovely time and that he showed me he was a gentleman, then adding how he was on my road. I just hid on the floor for the rest of the day. When I looked at his profile, I remembered where I'd seen him before. 
he used to message my old Facebook account years ago with weird messages and creepy edits saying how he liked me. This whole event happened within an hour and a half. I never want to see him again. The Smiling Stranger When I was old enough to be home alone, but still at that young age, I lived in a court in a lower-end, middle-class neighborhood at the time. It was a small developing town right before the boom of the city's growth. A place with one grocery store in the middle of town. So a pretty quiet place where kids would play from sunrise to late, in the dark of night, with no real worries. To better explain, my court was a U-shape, with eight houses in it. Really one way in and out. I and my friend lived across the street from each other right before the curve rounding of the U-court. We were both three houses away from the exit of it. It wasn't a crazy busy street by exit or entrance, and we would play in the main street for hours, and only run into the people who lived in our court driving in. That's how dead the area around our court was to the public. No one came around unless to visit our court. No one really had a reason to be driving or walking by our court because there were better ways to the other homes around us, off the main busy roads. So basically, going past our court is going out of your way to do so. I should also add, my friend's parents were not friendly and hated people coming to their house, so we only ever went out of my house or played in our court, which is important for later. It was Halloween, and I had decided to stay home and trick or treat my neighborhood with my friend. We will call her Ashley, who lived across the street. It was late Halloween. The kids had gone home hours ago. The streets were dead silent except for us. My family had left earlier to one of the rich neighborhoods to get the awesome chocolate bars, which were large king-sized bars. After that, they were going to hang out at a friend's house afterward then be home late or spend the night. So, wherever the night would take them. I didn't want to hang out with my younger siblings and their younger friends. I wanted to hang out with Ashley. So I asked to stay home alone. My mum agreed with the promise I would go in and lock the house up as soon as we went in. I agreed. It was close to 10 or 11 at night, and our night went great. It was dying down with her waiting for her parents to eventually call her in for bed. Ashley was chilling with me as we sat on the curb in front of my house talking, which being at that preteen stage was a common occurrence. When we noticed this middle-aged man walk past the end of our court, looking around as he passed by, he paused, noticing us. The man slowed down, stared at us for a bit as he walked. No big deal, but something was off. I can still remember what he looked like because I remember how odd seeing him was, because we grew up in a small town where everyone knew everyone, and I did not recognize this man. He was a white, average man with a beer belly. It was dark, but I could make him out under the streetlights as he casually passed our court. He wasn't a local. Ashley asked if I knew him. As I shook my head, no, before we obviously went back to talking. Something about him made her start to keep an eye on the court entrance. He's walking by again. Ashley would repeat when she noticed him walk by again and again and again. That guy 
wasn't dressed for a long walk or a jog, wearing a tan jacket, dark blue jeans, and what looked like heavy work boots. I don't imagine going on a planned long walk with those. But we were dumb kids ignoring these red flags. Till the fifth time. That's when we got a little freaked out. Hey, that guy passed again! Ashley frowned as I turned my back to the entrance of the court as I was talking to her. He wasn't walking anymore. Casually standing under the streetlight at the entrance of our court on the same side we were, staring. I remember how awkward he seemed shoving his hands into his pocket, trying to act casual. Except for the fact, he just kept staring at me. We got creeped out as he kept looking around at the empty street, then quickly back at me, before he went back to walking past our court. Something inside me told me to leave. Again, he didn't. He just stayed there, looking creepy. He looked like a typical white suburban dad. It was his eyes, though. It was just staring at me. I'm creeped out. Let's go inside before he comes back. I remember Ashley breathing before we got up. We tried our best to ignore our fear since he was gone again. I walked her across the street to her home. That was the friend that was like the mum. I always made sure they got home okay before myself. Yes, you most likely see where this is going. I walked her to her house across the street before I headed home myself. Everything was fine. I quickly ran across the street to my house, happy to get to freedom. I turned the knob of my front door, quickly trying to get into the safety of my home when I felt the knob refuse to turn. I remember holding my breath as I struggled to get the door open. That's when it dawned on me. I didn't have a house key. The door was never locked unless we were inside sleeping. This was before cell phones. My family had accidentally locked me out with no way to get hold of them. I panicked. I was locked outside with the creepy man walking around. I was scared. I moved away from my front door. I remember trying to calm myself as I decided to go through the backyard and try our sliding glass doors, which again, shouldn't be locked. I walked down the path of my front door to walk around the front of my house to the side gate. That was my plan. I then stopped with fear because I recall the air was completely knocked out of me. I noticed the man was stopped in front of the end of our street once again. There was no way he did a full lap around our court to end up back there. He must have just pretended to keep walking. His eyes lit up and smiled at me when he noticed I was still out, raising his hand up in a casual high before starting to walk towards me. He stepped towards me with casual steps like he was just taking a walk, but he was staring at me the whole time. I panicked at his movements towards me and bolted across the street to Ashley's house, abandoning all attempts to break into my house. I recall thinking that Ashley's house is the only one with signs of life, and I needed an adult right then. I was running as fast as I could, getting up the stone step walkway to the door. I pounded in panic, pushing the doorbell repeatedly. Ashley opened the doors, confused by the panicked look on my face. I'm locked out, Ashley! He's coming! I recall screaming, trying to push my way towards her, scared, shitless. 
I, I have to ask my mom. Those words broke me as she quickly closed the door, most likely not realizing the fate she was leaving me to. I began crying as the door slammed in my face. In a panic, I turned around, trying to see where the man was, how close he had gotten with my back turned. He had resumed walking the court when I assumed the door was open. Now only a house and a half length away from me. The second I looked at him with the door closed, he stopped his casual walking to the sidewalk. He instantly started to run towards me. A diagonal beeline through the street towards me quickly. I remember half turning to push the doorbell repeatedly in what felt like a decade of fear. Till Ashley opened the door. Her hand grabbing me by the arm and yanking me inside the doorway. Slamming the door quickly with a quick flick of her wrist, locking the door. I was in tears as she gripped my arm. We desperately moved to the side windows, quickly to see him. When I saw how mad he looked at me, as he stood inches from where I once was, giving me a dirty look, his chest heaving as he slowly backed away from my friend's porch down the walkway. He shoved his hand into his pockets as he turned to face away from us and continued walking out of our court. After that, I don't remember much. I do remember breaking down crying as Ashley's mum came to my aid, realizing this was serious. The cops came having called them, and I gave my statement. I also recall staying with Ashley until my parents got home shortly after, and only after the cops had left. Ashley's dad walked me home and explained everything. My mum hugged me, giving me panicked kisses, and apologized that my younger eight-year-old brother must have locked the door when they left because he was paranoid of bad guys. <sighs> I was never home alone after that, till we moved years later into a new town. I can still recall this day clearly. I still to this day can't figure out his intentions. Kidnapping? Worse? I still can't find the reason, and that never sat well with me. And to this day, I get paranoid at night, especially of smiling strangers. My dog knew something was happening. The night before last, my nine-month-old rough collie was being very, very strange. He was pacing, licking my face, and genuinely refusing to let me sleep. I assumed that he needed to go out to relieve himself, so I walked him to the door and let him into the backyard to do his business. A few minutes later, I opened the door and found him standing adjacent to the porch steps, huddled in our wooden tomato garden, in the snow. Just spooked out of his mind. I called him to come inside and he tried to climb over the snow in the garden and over the side of the steps instead of going around. There was a clear path to get to the front of the steps, but he was choosing instead to climb up the side. Through a massive snowdrift, I was really confused and walked out to try to coax him around, to make things easier. He would glance out into the yard beyond the steps, start forward and then shrink back again, as if something was frightening him. Ears pinned flat to his head, he finally made it over the snowdrift and onto the porch. He never did go around to walk up the stairs the right way. 
The moment I was back in bed, he was on top of me again, licking my face. I pushed him away and covered my face, and he proceeded to pace and whine for the rest of the night. On the bed, off the bed, up and down the stairs to the basement, all over the house, just pacing and whining. He finally settled at about 7am. And that morning when I got out of bed, he was right behind me all the way to the kitchen, still acting strangely anxious. As I was making breakfast, he wandered into the back room, by the door he'd gone out the night before, and immediately turned and bolted. Pressed up against my legs, he started barking and whining. Now this dog only barks when something has startled him. I've always been grateful for that, because I hate when dogs bark at strangers just walking by or something. I thought he was barking at a cat who was hanging out in that room. I poked fun at him and told him what a silly dog he was being. Right then, my mum called and immediately asked if I was okay. I told her I was fine and asked her what she was worried about. She said that there were several police officers parked around my garage, which was in my backyard. In the direction that the dog had been freaking out all night. I looked outside and sure enough, there were two police cars angled in front of my garage and another two in the front of my house. I didn't go out, but watched them through the window from time to time. They stayed there till noon before driving away without ever giving any indication of why they were there. My imagination is probably getting out of hand, but I'm sure that something happened last night. Something that scared my dog really badly. I called the local department and they said that they aren't authorized to tell me what happened or when they made a call. They were very kind about it, but basically told me no. As for footprints, we had some really bad snow drifting, and if there was anything, it was wiped completely clean. I almost didn't even make it to work today because the drifting was so bad, it was blocking the roads. Sorry, I can't give you any more, guys. I would if I could, but that's all I've got. They aren't going to share. I will try to ask my neighbor if they know anything. Checked my local news as well and didn't see anything posted. So frustrating. I can't find any updated arrest records or anything, so that's a bust for now. Thanks. Grinder Horror Story This happened two days ago. I live in a small city in Romania, around 30,000 inhabitants. Romania isn't exactly known for their tolerance of gay people. It's not as bad as other places, such as Russia, but the situation is definitely not rosy here either. I get on Grinder and meet a guy. 18 years old, apparently. The guy didn't have a picture of his face as he was PFP, because it's too dangerous. He had a picture of a rose drawing. Most guys on Grinder here don't have pictures of themselves. We talk for a bit and I really like the guy. And then we finally accept to exchange face pictures. I send him a selfie of myself, and he sends me a picture of a guy from our city. He was cute, and I really, really liked him. So I told him, Hey, I saw you around the city. Didn't know you were gay too. <laughs> we talk and finally arrange to meet. I had some errands to run at the teller shop. My cousin's bachelorette party is coming next week. And I had to adjust my favorite shirt. So I asked him to meet me in front of the teller shop. The building in which the tailor shop is located has four stories. The ground floor is a clothes shop, which my aunt works at. 
The first floor is a storage room, the third floor is a barber's salon, and the fourth floor was the tailor shop. I go to the tailor shop and then go to the clothes shop on the ground floor to visit my aunt and see how she's doing. As I was looking out the window of the clothes shop, I noticed there were five men, all of them in their late 20s behind the building. None of them was the guy I got a picture of and none of them even looked remotely close to what the guy looked like. I text the guy I was supposed to meet and ask him if he made it to the tailor shop. As soon as I send the message, one of the five guys' phones lights up. And he started texting. As soon as he stopped texting, I got a notification from Grinder. I'm behind the tailor shop. I went there to smoke so no one would see me. Come smoke with me. I was terrified, as I realized I wasn't going to meet the guy in the picture. He tries to get me to go behind the tailor shop, and I try to get him to the other side of it. There were no windows to the side of the building, so after a few tries, he agreed to meet at the side of the tailor shop. All five guys went to the side of the tailor shop. I peeked my head from the door, looked left and right, and as soon as I saw my way was clear, I ran for it. Grinder cutie, let's not meet. I'm a tattoo artist, and that welcomes a plethora of creeps. So first of all, I am a female tattoo artist, the only one in my specific city currently. Smallish city, only four shops counting mine. While it's wonderful that more females are breaking into the industry, we are still vastly outnumbered. So for many of my clients, I'm the first and only female that has worked on them. I don't mind this, it makes me stand out, and my name travels well because I'm the female artist, and that's great for this job. However, though the stigma of only criminals and bad people hanging at shops is very far from the truth, we definitely get our share of creeps. Unfortunately, being a small statued female, with my co-workers being larger, intimidating looking men, I guess I'm easy pickings for them. About two weeks ago, an older man, legitimately could be my father, walked into the shop and began asking for pricing on a specific tattoo. Me being next up for walk-ins, I went ahead and gave him a price. Upon realizing he was talking to an artist and not a counter girl, happens all the time, he started getting much more friendly and smiley toward me. Even though I'm trying to work on the details of his price, he keeps making comments on my piercings. I am heavily pierced on my face, and how cute they make me look. How he bets I can handle all kinds of pain. How I must be into some freaky stuff, etc. I ignore him, and continue with paperwork. At this point, I'm sure people will tell me I should have just told him to leave. But if I did that every time people made off-handed comments towards me, I'd lose a lot of clients and business. Not to mention, females are pressured to be tougher in this business, so we generally just grit our teeth and get the job done. I get him in the chair and have him laying down. I explain the place I'm working on is fairly tender, so if he needs a break, to let me know. He responds by saying something along the lines of, Baby girl, do whatever you want to me. I'll love every second. I am aware of how ridiculous this all sounds, that someone could be so shameless, but I digress. Once we were finally finished, I get him wrapped up and go to hand him my card, and an aftercare sheet when he legitimately grabs my chin to look up at him and says, 
You are just so beautiful. That was the final straw for me. I can handle the comments, but when you touch me without permission, that crosses the line. I stepped away from him and sternly told him he needs to pay for his tattoo and leave. He did, and he also left a one-star review of our shop because of the incredibly rude girl with no customer service skills. This is not an anomaly. I've had men try to grab or rub against my breasts while I work on them. I've had people try to photograph down my shirt while working on them. I had to tell this one guy to step out of the room because he was attempting to finger his girl while I was working on her. I've had men tell me they would only get genital piercings if I was in the room or if I was the one who did it. I've had men eye me up and down and ask what all I have pierced or where all I have tattooed. I've had men ask if they can take off my shirt or pull down my pants to show them my tattoos. I've seen it all. I love tattoos. I love the community. It's absolutely full to the brim with loving, respectful, and supportive people. But it is truly disturbing what some bad apples think they can get away with toward the professionals in this business. Well, listeners, these Let's Not Meets always have me cringing when it comes to reviewing humanity. The tattoo artists in particular, that story really gets home. I work with a lot of graphic designers and talk to a lot of tattooists. And on top of people not appreciating their work at times, I can't imagine the abuse and stigma that women face in the tattooing field. Sure, you get people in all jobs that behave badly, but clients asking you to pull your pants down to show them your artwork is disgusting and is abuse in itself. Like any industry, I hope it matures in this space and artists in that sector are shown far more respect. And to my true tale tellers this episode that allowed me to narrate your stories, thank you very, very much. I can appreciate how difficult it is to share a story like this, let alone how it sounds produced on a podcast. All I can hope is that I did your story justice. Mates, have a wonderful weekend. Stay safe, stay awesome, and always be vigilant. As always, mates, till next we meet.